Um, <clears throat> but that song, um, Surround Me, amen, um, we need the Lord to surround us, you know, uh, we have to be keen and, and, and aware of of the presence of God and and the spiritual realities, right? Because to the natural mind, when, you know, you hear the word um, surround me, right? When we're asking God to surround us, um, that doesn't make sense to the natural mind because, well, God is everywhere, right? But see, the thing is, when we say God is surrounding us, right, what, what we're asking is for God's, not only his protection, but we're also asking that God would manifest his power and manifest his presence in such a way to where um, we we sense him being near. There is, there, is a, there is a sense in which we can sense God's nearness, right? Amen. And we have to tap into that reality because if we don't, then we're only going to live from our mind and reason to the conclusion that God is near us. And while that is good, we need to um, come to that conclusion by reasoning, of course, but reasoning isn't enough. Reasoning isn't sufficient. We need revelation. And there are different domains of knowledge and revelation is superior to reason. Right? Revelation isn't anti-reason. Revelation isn't in contradiction to reason. Uh, revelation isn't illogical, but revelation is is of a, a higher um, domain than reason itself. Amen? Because revelation bypasses the mind and enters the spirit. Amen. It's not against the mind. Right, God isn't going to tell you something that is in contradiction to his word that you know from your mind. But see, the thing is, when we don't tap into the reality of the presence of God, people um, always live in doubt. They live in fear because um, they don't sense the Lord. There, there, is no, there is no true confidence of his nearness. And we have to be um, confident in, in his presence. Amen. And if we at all believe that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding his people, then you have to be able, right, to, to fully um, be in tune with that reality. Amen. Yeah. You have to be in alignment to... The Lord, you have to be in alignment to Him. You know, if there are certain things that you can't um, speak to unless you experience it. And so, if you do not experience it, you you will be as an onlooker. You'll look in and think, "Oh, that looks ridiculous. That looks crazy. Th those people are are wacko, right?" And and so. It's similar to Paul. He had all his reasons why he didn't accept Jesus until he got hit, you know, knocked off uh, the horse on the road to Damascus. And then the Lord appeared to him. And then he, you know, he, um, 
he became a believer. Right? Why? Did, did um, you know, someone come to him, as necessary as that is, and say, hey, you know, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus, the Bible says. No, he didn't, he, he already believed the Bible. He believed Torah. Right? He believed the Hebrew scriptures. What he needed was an encounter with God. And when people lack those encounters with God, they they become um um they just become an intellectual. Right? We need more than intellect. We need to experience the risen Lord. We need to experience the risen Christ. Amen. Does that make sense? So I, I want to ask that we get our Bibles, please. Um, and we will do a bit of reading. I'm going to be using the NIV uh, today. Excuse me one second. Can't use another translation as I always uh, want to emphasize. <clears throat> You're more than welcome to, um, as long as it's a good one. Um, but just so it helps with our flow of the reading and so that you can see that it's there in the text. Um, um, but nevertheless, let, let us turn to Matthew chapter 13. Amen. Matthew chapter 13. And as you guys turn there, I want to um, ask that we come in agreement um, we come um, in concert and unity and ask uh, for the Lord's blessing in this meeting and that God would speak to us, that God would give us revelation, that God would give us insight, amen, that God would give us direction. Amen. amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, we just come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I just call I just call on heaven. And God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to make his abode amongst us, to make his dwelling amongst us, O Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to every situation, that you would speak to every individual, that you would speak to every heart, God, that every uh, wicked demon, every um, lying spirit would be bound and would be uh, subjected to your lordship. God, I, I rebuke every foul spirit that would seek to hinder this meeting, that would seek to hinder this holy, sacred assembly. Father, I pray right now that the, the powers uh, of, of the new age not not in some witchcraft sense, but in, in the uh, messianic age, the, the, the age that Christ has brought, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of that age would come in, would infiltrate, and would demolish all the works of the devil, would demolish all of his schemes, would demolish every single one of his traps, that would break every yoke, that would break every bondage in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, that all depression, all anxiety, all fear, all anger and resentment and everything that is contrary to joy and peace and the Holy Ghost would, would be expelled and demolished in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you that you have authorized me and called me as a holy ambassador to bring the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I just pray right now that the manifestation of your kingdom would be actualized in this meeting. Father, I pray that no one would be hidden from your sight to whom we must give an account, that this two-edged sword would go forth and divide, that this two-edged sword would go forth and and, um, destroy every stronghold and bring low every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I pray for prophetic insight and that that every soul under the sound of my voice would understand that you, O Lord, are alive, that you are risen, and Father, that you in fact speak. So have your way, O God. May it please you, Father, to have your way in the midst of your holy people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the people of God say amen. 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 <clears throat> Hallelujah. We, you know, we we need to constantly be a praying people. Amen. A, a, a praying people that because if we're not praying, we're strained. And if we're not praying, we're playing. Uh, no, no church, no organization no people no no nothing is greater than their prayer life amen um yeah. praise the lord did uh did did anybody happen to uh uh send out that message by any chance and get word back <clears throat> okay well hmm well, let's, uh, let's, I seen, uh, someone happened, put, uh, I didn't know, okay, thank you for letting me know, uh, Ninas, um, I seen someone, I don't know if it was Ninas or it was Elila put, uh, Dutch subtitles, that's really cool, I'd never seen that before, um, I guess you can put, like, your native language as subtitles as I'm preaching. That's so cool. <laughs> oh man, technology's so amazing, man. So like if you're Japanese or something or Chinese, you can I guess put your language. I, I don't know if someone intended on doing that, but that's what they did. But <clears throat> um let's yeah, uh I, I don't know. Uh I don't I don't know how to do that. Oh, I think you put on captions or something. <clears throat> okay, so um Matthew chapter 13. Amen. Let's let's begin in verse 1. It says the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake such large crowds gathered um gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. You know, what, what I think about this, what I think uh, is amazing about this is that they're not complaining um, about the the location. They're not complaining, um, you know, I, I don't like this scenery. You know, I want to go to the mega church down the street. You know, <laughs> they got a, a barista there, you know, 
I just, I can't endure these, this environment, right? They're following Jesus because they want the word of God. And they're not concerned about um, uh, the, the uh, don't get me wrong, we want to hear the word of God in the best environment, of course. But when push comes to shove and that's not available, are you still willing to search for the word of God, even if it inconveniences you by the, the scenery that is not appealing to you? Amen. Amen. Or, or can you hear the word of God if, if the word of God comes from a race that is not yours? Right? How many people are offended because of the messenger? But what does Paul says? We have these treasures in earthen vessels so the excellency of the power of God might be manifest that is not of us but of Christ. You know, so, you know, so often the Lord will purposefully put earthen treasure, uh, treasure, uh, uh, treasures, um, okay, awesome, I'm glad that you can hear this. Uh, he puts treasures in an earthen vessel that don't look like you, don't sound like you, right, just to test your heart. He offends your mind to test your heart. That's why, you know, even, uh, you know, they didn't even, if they didn't accept Jesus because they were of his own hometown, how much more do you think it is likely that you might be offended by someone that's in your own hometown? Oh, I, I know this guy, you know, you know, he, uh, you know, he ain't really a pastor. He ain't, re you know, I, I remember when they weren't even good at singing and now all of a sudden they want to sing for the Lord. Well, you can be the best singer in the city and someone has some negative to say about what you're doing for God because they remember where you were and they, in their mind they want to keep you there and they don't want to allow you the opportunity to graduate from that. Amen. You know how many people, you know, that's why when... when you know, I, I seen uh, this thing on Instagram recently, an Instagram reel, and there was this lady, she was, um, it, it says something about like, something, when you post something, or, <clears throat> I don't know if she said if you put something in your bio, or put a story, you basically uh, testifying of all the good things that are happening in your life, and so this lady's like, oh, you know, I just got married, and 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 he's a wonderful husband. And then the individual, the the individual to whom she's speaking, says, "Oh, congrats! That's how you know they're not really happy. They don't even say congratulations. They just congrats. You know, they don't even put uh, you know confetti and all this other stuff. They just, congrats. <laughs> thank you, you know, uh, uh, sister, or thank you, brother. They just thanks." No exclamation mark even. No period. They don't even finish the sentence. Right? Improper grammar and everything. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. You, you guys can laugh at that. Um, <laughs> but, right? They just said, congrats. And then she went to go on and share another wonderful thing that happened in her life. She's like, oh, that, oh, that's awesome. 
And then the third time, so like, okay, that's enough. Okay, so the more the, the more she began to share of all the good things that happened in her life, all that did was shine a light on the insecurity of the individual who is envious of all that they feel like they don't have. So when you know what I've learned in in the, going on thirteen years as a Christian, I thought when I had come to the Lord, the moment I shared the faith with someone, the moment I shared something good with someone, they were going to be happy for me because they were Christian. And I thought, if you're Christian, you're my brother, you're my sister, and you should be happy for me. But Amen. I soon realized that that is not true, <coughs> and, 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 and you know. You can tell by the fact that their countenance doesn't light up. They give you the little, uh, um, the little fakes. <laughs> I seen this thing on 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 Instagram. I know I appeal to it often because I think these pictures give you a good idea of of the the truth I'm trying to convey. And it says, uh, it said the typical uh, uh, stranger white man smile. It's just the little. They just perk up their lips a little bit, and uh, when they're passing you, like you know, in an aisle on, on Target or, you know, down the street, they just go, they pick up their uh, lips a little bit and they go like that, right? The the white man's. <laughs> I don't do that. I'm like, yo, what's up? What's cracking? <laughs> or, or like, you know, we do the, you know, little fist bumps and stuff like that. Anyways, but, um, that that's how they respond when when they're not excited for you. They just give you the little perk in the lips and the little nod in the head. But they're the, you know how when you can tell someone's not really happy is when they're smiling, giving you a fake smile. Right? Is their eyes don't light up? Their eyes right here don't crease. Right? And and um, anyways. The point, though, is that, you know, you're better, you know, your luck is you're better off just shutting your mouth and exiting the door and keeping the news to yourself. And just praise the Lord by yourself and say, I thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're happy for me. You brought these blessings in my life. You you, you care about me. Amen. Amen. Not everybody is your David. Not everybody is a Timothy to you. You know, every Timothy needs a Paul, and every Paul needs a Timothy. Every David needs a Jonathan, and every Jonathan needs a David. Yeah. You know, and, and Dave, for David, right, uh, uh, he had Ahithophel uh, who used to <coughs> counsel him in his cabinet, Right. And, and but not long after he ends up turning his back on David and then ends up advising his conspire, uh, you know, those conspiring against his life. Just because people are close to you don't mean that they're for you. Amen. Amen. You know, because Judas was close to Jesus, one of the closest, and yet he was an enemy conspiring against the Lord's life. But nonetheless, going back to the point that I was making, is that, you know, people are not genuinely happy for you all the time, even though they're a Christian. That's why they ghost you. That's why they gossip about you. That's why they, they can't support you. They're not happy for you, right? And so, but God is faithful. He always will send you an individual that is, right? Even if you do outshine your friend, they can still be happy for you. 
Amen. And you guys have to be discerning of that because there are some people that can only remain with you in the battlefield. It's only when times are hard and times are, you know, difficult and you're suffering that they can, you know, group with you because when you're down and out, that doesn't shine on them and make them feel less than. And then there's only those people that can journey with you when times are good because the moment when time gets rough and difficulty comes your way, they don't want the hardship in their life and they don't want to be responsible to help you. So they ghost you. But when a true man of God, when a true friend of God comes into your life, whether thick or thin, rich or poor, sickness and health, they'll stick by your side. And guess what? They'll tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. They'll tell you stuff that will offend you. They will tell you stuff that is difficult to hear, right? Not because they want to be a nuisance to you, not because they want to be a pest to you, but because they don't want you to be sabotaged by your ignorance and your foolishness. <coughs> Amen. 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 Like Brother Malachi just put, better is a wound from a friend than uh, an enemy that multiplies kisses. Right? They'll, they'll send you a little kiss. Oh, oh how I doing, Bo-Tang? <laughs> Girl, how you doing, Bo-Tang? <laughs> oh, you already know what it is. <laughs> They don't care, right? They just um, they just play the part, and they sound real good too. Like they're really for you, right? Blowing you kisses and all this other stuff, but really they're an enemy and they're a snake. You know, I was just telling my wife last night. I was, I'm absolutely thankful for my father in the faith because last night he got a word from the Lord as he was praying for me and my family, and and it. You know, every time he shares something, it's on point. And and I, I remember when I first got connected with him, there was a lot of things that he taught me that was hard, that deconstructed my thinking, that challenged me on issues, that rubbed me wrong. But I knew by the Spirit of God that that he placed that anointed man in my life to to lead me right and to increase my stature and to cover me in the Lord so that I would not have grown to be where I now am and I would not have let go of all that rubbish and and some traditions that were taught me had it not been for him but the people that preceded him right they sounded good they spoke good they always said what you wanted to hear they gave you the little nice handshake and the nice smile but they never deposited any weight to you by the spirit see I, i'd rather have one individual by my side that prays in the spirit has rank in the spirit stature in the spirit can see in the spirit and speaks to me by the spirit than a thousand other kind people that are cordial that want to play church amen 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 because amen. If, if for whatever reason i don't pick it up he picks it up for me and my family. And 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 it's 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 amazing. And I'm thankful for that because I know that he's discharging priestly duties and takes priesthood seriously. 
I want people that are interested in accolades or making their name great or, or, or fame or, you know, oh, type, type eight man in the chat if you believe. Right? All I am is just a number to them. They have no interest or business fathering anybody. Right? They just, they're looking for the, could this be the Nephilim? Type A man if you agree. Always baiting you. Could this be the rapture? Euphrates River is driving up, drying up. Yes, yeah, so it, many times before in the past, nothing new. If you just looked into history, you'd know this, but you think it's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and it sounds appealing, so you're going to bait me by it. Because I don't know my Bible. <coughs> Are these Nephilims in the Florida Mall? Come on, it's just garbage, man. Hey, man. Ten foot Nephilim. Oh my gosh, come on, man. It's yeah. stupid. Right? But but anyways, let, let me get back to the text. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but verse 3 says, Then he told them many things in a parable, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, uh, that, uh, he's scattering, okay? Let me just say this parenthetically. Be careful of, you ever hear the term broadcast? Well, what's a broadcast? They're casting seed broadly. That's that's what uh, 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 these sowers would do. They would broadcast. They they get their seed and throw it. And, and it just scatters everywhere. Well, people on the news media where it's just an indoctrination machine... They want to sow these seeds of, of fear, these so, seeds of witchcraft, these seeds of, of, of Bidenism and liberalism and feminism. They want to sow these seeds into your mind to corrupt you. Amen. So you got to be uh, aware of, of these seeds because whether you think it or not, your mind is a fertile ground. Right and and there there are serpents that want to whisper lies into your head to get uh, 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 serpent eggs to hatch, or however these you know serpents are breeded. They they want to breed you know all this corruption and evil in your head, right? And so that's why they'll they'll run up to the the Instagram. Uh, <laughs> they'll say wait 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 let me pray for you. Right, you, that trend kind of died out a little bit, but hey, you know what's crazy is Google knows what I what I look up. <clears throat> they know the verses. I I mean, I type in like so many uh, uh, when I study theology and stuff like that. I look up articles and all the. They know what I study, and yet for some for some reason they want to suggest on me like on my YouTube you know, or things like that, uh, 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 mediums and witches. It's like, you guys know I don't, or they'll put Mormons up. Come on, Google, you're not that stupid. You want to purposefully put this stuff in my way. You know that I don't listen to rubbish, right? Amen. 
What what are they picking up? They know I'm spiritual and they know I read the Bible. But they'll try to divert you and say, okay, well, he reads the Bible. So do the Mormons. Let us get shove this garbage down his throat. Right? Oh, he's spiritual. He believes in the spirit realm. So we won't have him listen to prophets. Let's try to get him to witch, listen to witches. Right? You know, <clears throat> before I got saved, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, When I was going to church, guess who pops in my way are Mormons. And they tried to indoctrinate me. All of a sudden, I never heard of these people in all my years. And all right when I want to do right and repent, here comes these people. Because the devil says, oh, you know what? We can't get him to, to, to turn back now. We'll just get him to get, you know, we'll deceive him into thinking he's going towards the truth. <coughs> Does that make sense? But it says... Um, Farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. <clears throat> some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. <clears throat> so we know that the farmer, right? Well, let's let's read a little bit more. Um, um, because the Lord explains this later in uh, in the later verses. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just explain a little bit here <clears throat> is the farmer is, is the messenger of the gospel, right? Because we know in Luke chapter 10, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Luke chapter 10, or you can even look in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus had commissioned the apostles, he had commissioned the messengers of the gospel. In fact, let us real quickly turn there in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Right now, by the way, this is a fulfillment uh, Jesus is fulfilling what was pro prophesied in Jeremiah when it says uh, that in that day they shall ha all have one shepherd. Uh, it is the root from Jesse, <coughs> the king from uh, the Davidic line, right? That would ascend to the Davidic throne, right? Because uh, Jeremiah's indictment against the uh, shepherds of that day was that they were deceiving them and they were only feeding themselves and they weren't uh, administering justice. They weren't caring for the people of God and they were misleading them. Amen. <clears throat> but Jesus sees these lost, sees them lost, right? And and is he has compassion on them and and 
he ex- expounding to them the gospel. Amen. The truth of the gospel. <clears throat> and then verse 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he's looking out and he's viewing the people as a harvest. Right? He's viewing them as as crops and fruit to be reaped. But he sees that it is an overwhelming task. <clears throat> and though he has disciples, he is desiring that more be sent out into that harvest field so that people may be reaped and put in the Lord's barn. Amen? How many of you know that God desires souls, that God is desiring people? That is why even as I'm speaking and preaching, God is tugging on your soul, but so is the devil too. He wants to reap you. He wants to take advantage of you. He wants to exploit you. He wants to drag you to hell, but God wants to get you into his purposes and his plans. Amen. So, but that what that means is for you to stop suppressing God, stop thwarting His plans, stop frustrating His plans, because He is He's calling you, He's drawing on your soul, He's drawing on your spirit, so that you may follow down His paths. Mm. Someone is tired of doing it their way in this group. You're tired of doing it your way. You've already you've always done it your way. And your way don't work. <clears throat> and the Spirit of God wants you to start doing it the Lord's way. Our ways lead to death. Our ways lead to destruction. Our ways lead to depression. Our ways lead to a lack of peace. But the Holy Ghost is pricking your conscience and saying that it is time for you to stop doing it your way, but for you to surrender everything to the Lord and start saying, God, here I am, use me. Whatever you want in my life, I will do it. <clears throat> that old school song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Amen. Touch my heart, Lord, and my feet. Take my heart, Lord, and my feet. Right? Speak through me. But but here's the thing, we don't got an option. If we're going to be used by the Lord, we're going to be used by him. But if you don't, guess who you'll be used by? You'll be used by the devil. Oh, I'm not going to sacrifice chickens. I'm not going to cut off their heads and all this, do seances. It doesn't matter. You don't have to do that. The devil's content with you just following any other God, any other path, atheism. It don't matter or even do good and, you know, give to homeless people. He don't care if you give to a thousand homeless people. He just don't want you to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Amen. 
He has a million ways to hell, but there's only one way to the, to, to the Christ. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The, so devil, is a, the devil is a fraud. He's a con artist. He's a charlatan. <clears throat> Him and his children. All those wicked reprobates that are children of the devil. Jesus said this. He says, you are a brood of vipers. In other words, you're birthed from the wicked one. Right? I don't need wicked people in my life. I don't understand why Christians want to fellowship with wicked people. I don't fellowship with wickedness. I'm not saying I, I hate people, but I'm just saying that Bible says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is that the brethren may dwell in unity. Not how good and pleasant it is that the wicked dwell with the righteous. Amen. Amen. Right? And this, this is, anyways, <clears throat> this is what, especially, you know, you need to understand not only when, you know, especially when it comes to relationships, you know, especially sisters always think they can change a deadbeat guy who's unregenerate and don't serve God. No, you can't. There is no. So you're saying you can play the Holy Spirit and do what only the Holy Ghost can do. Right. But look, it's, but, it's, <clears throat> but it says uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So there are few workers. You know why? Because, you know, people, the, people think, you know, especially young preachers, they think, you know, those that are aspiring to preach, they think, oh, you know, I want to preach behind the pulpit or I want to do this. And... That's good to have zeal. I'm not saying that people shouldn't. But the more you the more you enter into what God actually wants you to do in terms of ministry, the more you see it is a difficult work. Uh Paul didn't consider it easy. He did, he told Timothy also it's not easy. He says there's a necessity for endurance. Right? He said, preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, correct. For the time is coming that men will not endure sound doctrine. So you know what that means? You have to endure sound doctrine. It's not all peaches and cream and comfort and God's going to do it. It ain't, it ain't always that stuff. right? So that means, oh, you know, it's not a little quick injection, a little espresso shot of theology. Just... You know, chug it real quick and go on the road. Nope. <clears throat> I, just, I just want my our religion. Right? I see, it's crazy because I see here in America, I see like church time, like 11 to 12. Like that's not, you know, sometimes I can't even get an announcement out in that amount of time. <laughs> not, not, that's, that's a bit of a stretch, but, um, <clears throat> 
But that's not even enough for prayer a lot of the times. So how are you going to do announcements, pick up an offering, tell you know, tell your church all that you're doing in the missions, and then and then preach and what altar call is God even moving? People want drive-through church, right? Amen. A little snap, crackle, pop. Put this little theology in the microwave for some. You know, just popcorn prayers and popcorn sermons and all this other stuff. And it just, it's nonsense. That's not how Jesus preached. Tell me why people are falling out of the windowsills when Paul is preaching. It says, you know, he fell asleep because he preached so long. The, the guy that was listening, you know, Paul was preaching so long in the book of Acts, he fell out. Right? You know, we have uh, clothes drives and food drives and every other drive, but we're not driven by the Holy Ghost. Right? Because because they started following Jesus and he didn't even feed them on the first day. He fed them on the third day because they were listening to the message that he had. But what do we want to do? We want to, oh, look, we got turkey during Thanksgiving. I'm not saying that I'm not shunning their good hearts. I'm not saying don't do it. Okay, don't hear me say, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I just think we got it backwards a little bit because Jesus put the word front and center, not food. Right? But anyways, he, he's commissioning out the, the, the workers into the field. And what does he say? That we are to pray that the Lord of harvest would send forth more laborers into his harvest field. So let me ask you this question. Because if Jesus commanded it, are you praying it? No. Or, or, or are you uh, just praying that the Lord would bless you with more Hobby Lobby, uh, Hobby Lobby coffee mugs that just has this verse on it? <laughs> I'm not saying don't go to Hobby Lobby. I mean, it's cool. It's better that place than the smoke shop. It's better that place than the liquor store. Right? But if if you aren't ever making a contribution to the kingdom, then I don't care how many verses you have on how many coffee mugs. Amen. Right? Come on. So don't get depressed now. <clears throat> You know, it is a joy of heaven that people come to repentance. It says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner coming to repentance. You know, that's how that's how eager the Father is to see people put down the dope, put down the drugs, put down the fornication, put down the clubbing, put down all that lifestyle and come to the Lord Jesus. They are eager. The Lord wants them to change. He doesn't desire the death of the wicked. Amen. Amen. So, so my deal though is this. If that's the Father's heart and we're praying, God, give me your heart, then is that your heart? Right? Or are we so, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be evangelists, 
But you, you, you ought to at least be praying in that regard. Praying that, that more people would come to the faith. Praying that more people would come to repentance. Praying, right, for the missionaries out on the field. Praying that God raise up more people that, that are able to be uh, conduits of God that are not going to frustrate his plans, but are going to uh, uh, reach this generation. <clears throat> You know, I, I was just talking to my wife last night. I, you know, we some years back we had, you know, gone to this church, and I, I of course, want to be respectful for all the labor they've done and work they've done. But my criticism, though, was that the the church was predominantly those in their eighties and seventies. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be elderly people. There most certainly should be, but. If that is all that you have, there's a problem. There is a big problem. I, because either you have this us for no more mentality, or you're completely inadequate, incompetent, and unskilled to know how to reach this generation effectively and pass the baton. I, I'm not looking for churchgoers. I don't care about what they're doing across the street or, or, or down the street, right? And, and have this us for uh, no more mentality and they're having a great time in the Lord and swinging across the chandeliers and praising these old 1950 hymns, right? I, I, I want to reach people <clears throat> that are going to be for the next generation. And I'm not saying that I'm not open to ministering to other age groups because if anybody's hungry for the gospel, I'm all in. But the problem, though, is that we keep dwelling on bygone eras in the glory days huh? when A.A. A. Allen was an out preaching huh? and we erected the tent. Huh? Well, God is doing new things. And if you're stuck in those bygone eras trying to mimic and duplicate that in a generation that is unique, then you're going to miss God. <clears throat> and it is selfish and self-absorbed. You know, I'm not saying don't listen to older music. That's not what I'm saying. Have a place for that, no doubt. But you know, what I listen, you know, they always talk about Music back in our day, right? As in back in your day, there wasn't diluted music either. Not all the music and the messages today are corrupt or diluted or watered down. A lot of it is, don't get me wrong, but there are still gems amongst uh, rubbish. And and but here's this here's the here's the tricky part. People never point this out is that what is now old music was to them contemporary and vibing music. So the fact that you're saying everybody should accommodate you is selfish. It's like me saying I got music today or sermons today or preachers today that are in the now, but fifty years from now I'm still going to impose that on that generation. Does that make it? But okay, you, you get what, what's happening here is it's old to the new, but it, it's they're still hearing it from their young ears. 
they're older, of course, but they're still connected to the time when they had young ears and it was the popping music, right? <clears throat> was it a sacrifice for you to do that at that time? No, because that was in the now. Okay, I want to see you be able to shed off some stuff and be able to reach a generation that don't speak like you, talk like you, look like you. <clears throat> Amen, somebody. People get offended at this, but go ahead, stay offended, and and people aren't going to follow you. The, you know, what I've learned working at a school, especially, you know, it was a shock to me, you know... It, um, and I, I, I'm surprised that, um, this younger generation don't know some of the biggest names back then. <clears throat> I was like, Hey, do you know this person? Do you know that person? They'll say no. Right. But, but here's the thing is they're in their own little world, right? They don't care about your world and they ought, they shouldn't. They're younger. Is that understood? It's like the parents today say, I brought you into this world. I gave you food, clothes on your back and food on your table, right? But, okay, you're doing the bare minimum, though. You're, you brought, I didn't ask you to bring me into this world. Are you doing something to where it makes it actually enjoyable to be around you? Do you enter into my world? You know, I, I have innocent games for my son. And I play those games with him. You know why? Because he has his world. I had my share as, as a child. He needs to have his. I'm not saying to elevate him and raise them so that they become more mature. But guess what? They don't become mature over the, overnight. You need to enter to their world. If you don't, you are selfish. Amen. <clears throat> right? Yes, pull them up. Yes, introduce them to new ideas. Yes, right? Uh, 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 help them to develop to become mature. But guess what? Here, This is what frustrates me. Because if we don't, the devil will. You know who's speaking their language? The devil. Who's discipling them? The devil. <clears throat> right? That's why on TikTok... You got billions of views on these witch channels or witch hashtags or whatever it is. Why? Because they're connecting with this hungry generation that knows there's more to life than naturalism and atheism. Yeah. Amen. And we're just, you know, uh, I'm just praising them. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're just, we're just... Being old and crusty, doing nothing new, no new life, no new circulation, nothing. Amen. Right? <clears throat> and yes, I do believe, now let me say this as a, as a admonition to the younger generation, you should respect your elders. You should also, when you start becoming mature, ask them about their life. Ask them about their glory days. It's not just about you either. Hey, what, what happened in the 50s or what, what, 
You are connected to an even older generation that God did. The Bible says, remember the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God never wanted them to forget how he brought them through the land of Egypt. So yes, God is doing something new, but he wants you to recollect and remember what he did before. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> right? So it might interest you to listen to and read upon some of the generals in the faith that have gone before you. And don't despise their labor and their name, because the name of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. I'd rather listen to the name of a just man who came in the early 1900s or 1980s or 50s or whatever era, right, than the name of the wicked who is in popularity today. Amen. Amen. Right? They shall all fade. <clears throat> Though you see the wicked, they shall soon be no more, as it says in Psalm 37. Yeah. For surely thou hast set them in slippery places. Right? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but, you know, we, we, we need to reach this generation. We need to pray. You know, I, um, I'm just... I, I'm heartbroken of, of what, what we are witnessing today, especially even with gangs and stuff. They, they have really digressed on trafficking drugs, and more than ever, they're trafficking women and children. <clears throat> you know, drugs is bad as it is, but once you start... How wicked do you have to be to do that to a child? Right? You know, I, 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 at work, I, I, I just love it because I feel like I'm a father to so many little kids. And they come up to me running and wanting hugs and, and, and they just love being around me. It's, it's such a joy. You know why? Because I know there's wicked people out there and, and I want to do a good job of a, of a shepherd and be the perhaps the father they never had. Amen. Amen. Right? <clears throat> I remember when I, I my dad wasn't a, a terrible wicked individual, but I had a lot of heartaches and pains through him and I remember getting beat up as as a child. Right. Because my dad had uncontrollable anger. And I remember thinking, you know, because um, I had two male teachers. I don't know why it was always the male teachers that were the best. <laughs> the women were cranky, naggy and like mean. <laughs> I'm not saying there's no good ones out there, but that's just my experience. The, the males were more kicked back and like, hey, you know, chill out. Don't do that. <clears throat> right. But. I, I almost viewed them like a father. And I remember thinking in my head, like, I wish my, my dad was like that. Right? I wish I wish he was like that. And I, I seen like a father figure in them. Right? I never told them that. But, but you know, my point, though, is that children are hurting, man. Right? Mm. There are children that are hurting. And, and they, they need shepherds. <clears throat> 
they need real good fathers and mothers too, right? And uh, But nonetheless, it says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay, but then it says um, in um, Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Right, these are the names of the twelve. Then he goes on and talk about how there are the twelve apostles, and that they were sent out to preach the gospel. And so they were the laborers; they were the harvesters that were sent out into the harvest field. Right. So not everybody's a harvester. Not everybody is is a uh, is sent out into the harvest field to reap. Right. Um, <clears throat> does that make sense? Are, are we all following? Amen. Um, Amen. Let me um, turn your attention. Hold on. Let me try to find this verse real quick. Uh, Romans chapter 15. <clears throat> Excuse me. Romans chapter 15. We'll, we'll return back to Matthew, but I just want to show you something. Romans chapter 15, verse uh, 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, let's actually begin at verse 15. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So, so so Paul is likening himself unto a priest and sees his dis, his dispensing of the grace of God to the Gentiles that they may be reconciled to God as a sacrificial offering unto the Lord. Okay? And so what we see in Matthew chapter 10 with regards to the harvesters, what are they going to okay, what what is it intended for? It's intended to offer up the first fruits. The, the, the har so the harvest are people that are coming to Christ as fruit unto God. Let, let me let me show you in James chapter one to substantiate that point. Uh, go go to James chapter one, and we see here that the apostle James. Um, thanks of those to whom he's ministering as first fruits. Um, give me one second here. Are we following here? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 18. 
He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Okay, so, so, and then also it talks about this in the book of Revelation too. Um, uh, the, those that had believed the gospel had become unto the Lord as first fruits. Now, the Lord had commissioned his apostles to go into the harvest field and in order to labor as ministers, as harvesters, discharging their priestly duty, that they may reap people and offer them unto God as first fruits. Does that make sense? And and so not all were committed this ministry. It was committed to them. He says, unto us was committed the ministry of reconciliation. And therefore, having received mercy from God, right, we, we beseech you in the stead of Christ, be reconciled to God. Amen. Does that make sense? So, uh, amen? <clears throat> so we're getting a little more into instruction and teaching here. Um, but if, if you want to turn to second Corinthians chapter three, verse seven, <clears throat> you know, I, I was talking to my wife last night. I, I was telling her, I remember when I first got saved, the primary aim and goal I had was to, to, to preach with passion and zeal. I never want to not preach with zeal and passion, but I've learned that zeal and passion enough is not sufficient to change people. What needs to happen is for people to be enlightened and informed through the mind. Because if they become zealous and passionate, right, but they're uninformed, they don't know where to relinquish that passion. They don't know where to use it as an outlet because they're misguided and misdirected. Right? <clears throat> so it is imperative, it's necessary that you grow in the knowledge of God, which you cannot if you don't know more of his word. So, so one of the things that I am insisting here is that we're not those shallow-minded Christians that say, ah, I don't do theology. Amen. <clears throat> don't get offended at that. Amen. I'm not religious. Yes, you are. I hate when I hear that. James says, pure and undefiled religion before God is caring for the orphans, the widows, and those in distress and keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. That's what he considers pure and undefiled religion before God. I hate when people say, it ain't a religion, it's a relationship. No, you got, you're failing to understand that it's precisely in the religion that you have the relationship because a religion implies a covenant that that is the basis of a community. Amen. It's a covenant community that adheres to principles and doctrines and teachings. 
I don't do organized religion. No, you do disorganized religion. <laughs> you don't know what you believe, right? There's no direction. Come on, somebody. I know that people say this stuff all the time. They're popular slogans, but they're not biblical. Now, I understand using the term being religious in the sense of people trying to obey the Bible in their own strength and apart from the Holy Ghost, right? And they're only religious by tradition. If you mean it in that sense, okay, but the point, though, is that the Bible uses the term religion, and so we ought not to discard the terminology that the Bible itself uses. Amen. Right? Amen. <clears throat> People always say, well, you see that in the Bible. Okay, well, I see this word in the Bible. Why aren't you using it? I don't believe that. It's not a matter what you believe. But what did Jesus teach? What did the apostles teach? Amen, somebody. So, so, <clears throat> um, but look at Second Corinthians chapter two, verse. Uh, excuse me, chapter Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse seven. Now, if the ministry that brought death was, which was engraved in the letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not steadfastly. Uh, uh, could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Now, what, what we have to take notice, uh, what we have to take note of is that Paul is appealing to Moses for a reason. Okay, because Moses is the face of the Old Covenant. Okay, and to Moses was committed the ministry of the law. To Moses was not committed the ministry of grace and the spirit. Jesus said, you know, John said this speaking of Jesus, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses was the mediator of that old covenant. He was the mediator between God and man. He therefore consecrated and appointed Aaron and his sons as, as to serve as priests before the Lord, right? Uh, what was it? Abinadab and Abihu. Um, I think it's Abinadab, but I know Abihu is one of Aaron's sons. But uh, he appointed Aaron and his sons to, to, to minister before the Lord. He anointed them, right? And, and then there was also the Levitical priests, but the point, though, is this, that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, and just as Moses appointed Aaron and his sons, Jesus appointed the apostles. Does that make sense? The, the, Jesus didn't, you know, go on a mountain and say, Hey, world, I'm giving all of you guys the covenant. <laughs> it didn't work that way. I hope you know that. He preached his ethics he preached righteousness, to be sure. He preached repentance, but the covenant didn't come through all of the Jewish world. 
It came from Jesus and committed to the apostles as the foundation to the new temple and priesthood that Christ was establishing. Amen. Right? You have to just ask yourself, why 12 out of how many numbers? Why did Jesus purposefully use 12? Was it because he just couldn't find more? Like, dang, man, Jerusalem, you got some hard heads. I just can't find enough, right? Do you think it was because of that? Or do you think it was uh, uh, typological? It served, the number served as a significance in the sense that there was 12 tribes of Israel, right? And Jesus is calling 12 men, right? There was 70 on the Sanhedrin council. There was 70 in the book of Numbers when the spirit that God had put from uh, the spirit of Moses and he put on the 70 elders so that they can operate in the stead of Moses, right? To judge the people of Israel and to hear their matters, right? And so similarly, Jesus appoints 70 in Luke chapter 9 or Luke chapter 10. Now, I know some manuscripts say 72, but there's there's discrepancy there. There's some ancient manuscripts that say 72, some say 70. I perp- I think that the, the manuscripts that are actually accurate are the ones that say 70, only because 70 has a significant number all throughout the scriptures. It, it, you know, and so it, it would make more sense that the number there um, is 70 as opposed to 72. Does that make sense? Anyways, I don't want to bog you down with a bunch of details. Um, but no, as we continue on reading, um, <coughs> and then look at what it says, verse um, 10. You guys following? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? And so Paul is saying the glory of the old covenant was currently fading. It was passing away. And this is what he is saying in in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13. uh, That in the bringing... uh, It says... um, If there is a changing of the order of the law, there is by necessity a changing of the order of priesthood. Read Hebrews chapter 8 later and you you can see how Hebrews is is, um, contrasting between the differences of covenants and the differences of priesthood. Right, He says, if the changing of the order of the law, he says, there's by necessity a changing of the order of priesthood. He says, so that that which is obsolete and outdated is ready to vanish away. Now, remember, the author of Hebrews wrote that after the cross, after the resurrection, and after the ascension. Okay? So the the law of Moses was made obsolete, but it did not yet vanish away. Because he is is stating in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, it is ready to vanish away. Being ready to vanish away doesn't mean it vanished away. Does that make sense? Amen. Or no. So so it, it vanished away, right, in, in AD 70. 
right? At, when all the law and the prophets were fulfilled. But he is stating here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that the glory of that old covenant was transitory. In other words, it wasn't permanent. Do you see that? But he says the glory of the new covenant, it lasts. In other words, it's permanent. Why? Because the glory of the new covenant is the eternal covenant. That's how the authors describe this new covenant is an eternal covenant. So that there is no New Testament. Uh, I mean, there is no New Testament after the New Testament. Does that make sense? There's not going to be any further revelation. There's not going to be God going to, you know, do away with this covenant and then make a third some, you know, years after. No, it has been accomplished and this covenant is permanent. So that when Mormons come along and say this is the testament of Jesus Christ through Joseph Smith, we know they're liars. Amen, somebody. But but look at what it says in verse um Verse 12, therefore, since we, the apostles, have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So Moses, right, he comes with the covenant, the old covenant that was glorious. And Paul is saying, we're not like him. So why does Paul say we're not like him? Why is Paul drawing a comparison between himself and Moses? It's because of this. Jesus Christ, the new mediator through whom the new covenant had come, had been entrusted to the apostles so that the apostles labored so that all men may perceive their insight. That's why Jesus said to the twelve, unto you were committed the mysteries of the kingdom. Right? And Paul describes that in Ephesians 2. He says, To us were committed the mysteries of the kingdom that were in former times not revealed, but it says, But has now been revealed through his holy apostles and prophets. Right? Now, when we go to verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Look at what's going on here. It says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So, once again, following along this motif, following along these types and, and shadows, right, Moses and the the Aaron and his sons they were committed the law and were committed to instruct from that law. This is why they get the terminology ministers of the law. But Paul says we are ministers of the spirit. And so just as the priests in the old covenant had the word committed to them by Moses, or by God through Moses, now God the Father is committing to the the apostles a new covenant through Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense? 
And so this is why Paul, writing a fellow laborer in Christ Jesus, remember laborers point back to those harvesters in Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10. He's writing to Timothy, he says, commit what I have said to you to faithful men, overseers, bishops, elders, who will be able to teach others also. So you see this intent by Paul for succession. Does that make sense? There is a select few that are to succeed from those who are ordained so that they may continue to shepherd God's people. Amen. Amen. So what I want to, the reason why I keep driving this in our minds is because today we have a lot of social influencers saying that everybody got to go out there and evangelize, that everybody got to go out there and cast out demons, that everybody out there got to raise up disciples, that no, you don't. No, what you need to do is do what God called you to do. If that's a fashion designer, be a fashion designer. If that's a cosmetologist, be a cosmetologist. It don't make you less of an individual. It makes you, in fact, great as an individual because you are obeying God. So stop being busy trying to be somebody you're not and called to live out, trying to live out a calling that God has never called you to. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Is that not what the word of the Lord says? So if you, you can knock on doors until your, your uh, knuckles bleed and try to evangelize to everybody. But if God called you as a politician, then you're being disobedient. Amen. Right? Or we don't believe that. That's not what you, you were taught, right? You were taught that everybody had to do it, right? Okay, so if everybody has to do it, if Jesus says, you know, those who preach the gospel should earn their living from the gospel, my question to you is this. If God called you to do it, why aren't you earning your living from the gospel? You need to start planning to quit your career and do this exclusively than if God called you to do it. Oh, no, no, not that. Oh, yeah, not that, huh? We'll just be consistent. Come on, somebody. What did Jesus say? Pick, drop your nets and follow me. Would, Peter was a fisherman. That's how he earned his living. So what do you think the implications of Jesus telling him, drop that? In other words, yeah, you were a doctor, but uh, drop that. So let's reevaluate if we really think we're called. Right? Right? So so I, I need to debunk that because it's going to confuse people out of the will of God. And it's going to place unnecessary pressure on people to do something they do not have grace to do. Don't get depressed now. Right? There's nothing depressing about that. 
There's everything liberating and joyous about doing what God called you to do. Because you're going to find fulfillment in that. Amen. And so, you know, he says, um, uh, where is this at? Excuse me. Uh, look at chapter five. Chapter five, verse 16, second Corinthians. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So Paul is saying we used to view Christ in a, in a, after the lens of that old covenant world. What did the, that old covenant world uh, uh, view Christ as? They didn't view him as the Messiah. Okay, so in other words, Paul is saying we, we don't view him that way any longer. You know what Paul is saying? In effect, we're able to see the kingdom. But those who are unspiritual and undiscerning, they cannot see the kingdom. So when they seen Christ, what did they see? They just seen uh, the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Oh, that's just my brother Jesus. Oh, he's just the guy that just uh, lived down the street. They can't see the kingdom. And you know, that is still a problem today that Christians are plagued with because they can't see those to whom are called to bring the kingdom. Oh, you know, I grew up with him. He, he, you know, that's just so-and-so. Right? Does that make sense? And look, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. This, this isn't speaking about, you know, uh, Paul wasn't saying, yo, I used to do crack. I ain't doing crack any longer. You have to understand what the term creation means. Right? Who created this? Let's just let's just start there. Did Paul create this? Or did God create it? Now, if God created this new creation, we have to then point to the Old Testament and ask the question, where does it speak about a new creation? Daniel is one, for example, where it says there is the, he says then there was a rock that was cut out of the mountain, uh 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 not made with hands that there was a kingdom not made with hands there was a creation not made with hands right and this is what paul actually mentions in verse one of chapter five for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from god that's the new creation an eternal house in the heaven not built by human hands right so so who is that house The Bible says in Hebrews, it says Moses was a mediator of the old covenant. He says, and he was faithful in all God's house. But Christ is a a mediator of a better covenant who is faithful, who is a son over God's house. Whose house are we? So who's the house? Us. And, and Jesus says, I will build my church. So how did Jesus build that? Did he build it with hands? Yeah. 
No, he it, it's a new temple, a new creation not made with hands. We have to define what Paul means here in chapter 5, verse 17, with regards to the new creation, to what he mentioned previously in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Right? You know, I, I like asking the question that Ray Comfort asked, does a building build itself? Right? Does a painter, does a painting paint itself? So, but remember, remember though, what, what did it say in Revelation 21? Then I beheld the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to men. So the building was currently being built, right? I don't want to go into all this, but in Ephesians chapter 3 or Ephesians chapter 2, the temple was currently under construction. And you can look at the tense of, of that verb there, and I, I can reference that passage sometime later, but it was being built. First Peter also says, he says, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets was Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And he says, in whom you are all living stones and are being built. Right? I feel like I'm losing some of you guys. So, so, so Paul, the earthly tabernacle that Paul was speaking of was that old Jewish temple. Hebrews says that insofar as the, um, Hebrews says that insofar as the temple is standing, that the way into the holiest of all is not made manifest yet. So, I, I don't I don't really want to settle here. Is anybody else lost at this point? Because I don't I don't want to leave off on a note where everybody's confused. Okay. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, but. Okay, so, but in in verse 2, what that's referring to is a glory from heaven that was to clothe him. Remember in, in, in Genesis, who was naked? Anybody? Adam. Adam. So, so, but what happened when he sinned? He perceived his nakedness. Right? So Paul is saying, meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling because we, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So we can't say, oh, well, Paul, put on some clothes, man. Read this as Westerners. Ah, Paul, you got to put on some clothes, man. (laughs) No big deal. Let me go to, you know, uh, you know, Fashion 21 or let me buy you some pro clubs so you won't have to be naked. Right? No. A Jew understands nakedness uh, with regards to the absence of the glory. Adam 
in the garden, forever 21, Adam in the garden, right, when he sinned, and that separation between God and man had entered in humanity, he thereby perceived the nakedness. He perceived that he was unclothed. And and since Paul just established for us in chapter 3 and chapter 4 that his view is concerning the glory, then we are not to disconnect nor disassociate the term nakedness from the glory that he is uh, uh, writing about and which those chapters are only focused on. So, what was the hope of Israel? Paul says, I preach nothing save the hope of Israel. Paul says in Acts chapter 28 that he preached all the law and the prophets. So, what? let's, let's ask ourselves, what is the overarching narrative of all of the scriptures in the law and the prophets? The overarching narrative and the main goal of it all was that man would be restored back to God. So, now, where did the restoration, where was it destroyed? It was destroyed and lost in Adam. Nakedness came through Adam. The absence of glory came through Adam. And and so, Paul is saying when it comes to the 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 law of Moses, and that tabernacle that was instituted, which was temporary, and were just shadows pointing to a greater reality in Christ, because all that the law of Moses instituted could not take away sin. Every once a year, that when they had uh, uh, gone through atonement, it was just a reminder of sins. It couldn't forgive sin. Okay, so now, if it could not forgive sin through which man and God are separated, then it is of necessity that through the new covenant where forgiveness of sins is actualized, that only in that respective covenant can man and God be reconciled. But, but does that make sense? So, so look at... Um, uh, I want to turn to Hebrews real quick. So look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8. And we'll, we'll return back. I'll be coming to a close here shortly. And the reason why I don't want to come to this is because it can become, it's very technical. Um, and there's so much groundwork that needs to be laid to arrive to this point. But Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8. Uh, the Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. 
Let, let, let's, and babe, if you could get ESV, because I, I personally like the way that the ESV draws this out. <clears throat> so what term does Paul use? Uh, by this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way in the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Let me get one more translation. Put the new KJV. Just so we can get um, the, the best insight into this uh, here, here verse. <clears throat> By this Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the Holy... Oh, excuse me. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Okay, so so here's the deal. In the time that the author of Hebrews is writing this, there is still a tabernacle that is standing. It's the temple of God. Okay, now <clears throat> turn to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. And this is the verse that I referenced earlier. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Now, my question then is at the time in which he's writing this, did it disappear? No, it didn't. It was in the process of. This is why when Paul refers to the glory of the old covenant that was fading, he says that that glory was transitory, it was temporary, and at the time in which Paul is writing this, it was currently fading. Now, how was it fading? Because all that the law and the prophets testified of, which were shadows, one by one is being fulfilled before their very eyes. Okay, and so the last fulfillment that was required was the second coming of Jesus in AD 70, which destroyed that tabernacle. And the reason why we know that that was the last fulfillment is because in Joel chapter 3, in Deuteronomy 32, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, it speaks of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord which he would cleanse Jerusalem of its blood guilt. Okay, now the way in which Jerusalem was cleansed of the blood guilt was that God would come for salvation for the remnant, but destruction for those who believe not. Because Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 places the time of the vindication of the martyrs who had their blood shed in that generation. So that was the time of the cleansing of the blood guilt. And I don't have time to develop that and unpack that. But if, if I go verse by verse, it will, it, I can show that more clearly. But nevertheless, um, this was still in process of passing away. And um, so going back to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8. It says, as long as that first tabernacle was still standing, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Okay, now here's the thing. 
What is in the holiest of all? Can anybody answer me that? What was in the holiest of all? Are you talking about like the holies of holies? Yeah. Like technically, the holy of holies is where God dwells. Okay. So, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you, you can do research on this yourself, and you can see in ancient times, the Jews referred to the outer court as the way, the inner court as the truth, and the holiest of all as the life. Because where, where God dwelt, there is life. Jesus says, in me is life. Right? <clears throat> Jesus died so that we might have life and it more abundantly. Okay? But here's the deal. If the sins under the first covenant were not yet forgiven... Okay, then life as a result could not be offered to mankind. And thereby, they cannot enter into the holiest of all. Amen. Okay, so, so, Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection who had gone into the holiest of all who preceded all. It says this in Hebrews. Anybody else? I feel like I'm losing some of you guys. <clears throat> okay. Um, maybe I could put it this way. The Old Covenant... Jesus says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations, then the end will come. We know that the gospel was preached to all nations. I'm not going to go into that, but it's not referring to the whole globe. But the end of what? The end of the age. Okay, are you guys following so far? So, the end of the age was defined by the law of Moses, the Mosaic age. Are we following so far? Because this is, this is a chain. If you don't get one point, you won't get the conclusion. I'm, I'm not acting like we're dumb or anything here, but I need to go slow just so we get every point. The law of Moses was def the, the the first age was defined by the law of Moses. Now, when we, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we say we have life, what are we saying we have? Does anybody know what that word that Jesus uses in the Greek? What that wor those words are when he says eternal life. Okay, the word age, when I say the Mosaic age, the word age is the word aeon. When Jesus says that 
he is offering eternal life. In the Greek is the word Ionios Zoe. So the the in other words, it's the life of the new age. But now here's the thing. If the first age had not yet passed away, have then the question is, have you entered into the new age? I'm still waiting for some buy-in. No. Because the new age didn't begin until the first age passed away. You look confused, Malachi. I don't. I don't think you're getting it. I, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm 